Welcome to the 180 Podcast. You are listening to a teaching of the 180, a new church committed to learning to love Jesus and love like Jesus. Our prayer is that God would use this teaching to help you grow closer to Him and that you would feel moved to join us in person, where you can grow in community with the larger 180 family. Bienvenue à la balado-diffusion de l'Église 180. Vous écoutez un enseignement de l'Église 180, une nouvelle Église qui s'est engagée à apprendre à aimer Jésus et à aimer comme Jésus. Notre prière est que Dieu utilisera cet enseignement afin de vous aider à vous rapprocher de Lui et que cela vous donne envie de vous joindre à nous en personne où vous pourrez vous épanouir au sein de la communauté que la grande famille de l'Église 180. Good to be here. How are you? You guys all right? It's awesome. Uh, yeah, you do need to pray for me. West Island is a crazy bunch of people. Um, actually, I grew up in Laval. I grew up as a teenager in Laval and not one of these new neighborhoods, uh, like legitimately in Duvernay and taking the bus down Concord Boulevard and Souvenir Boulevard and uh, going to a place back then called Chamody High, which was in Chamody, Souvenir, and, and Chamody Boulevard. So I'm, I worked at Carrefour Laval twice in the food court. Uh, as a teenager, so I legitimately, what do you call a Laval person? A, a Lavalian? A Lavaler? Lavalois? Cool. So there, there you go. I was, a, I was a legit Lavalois for a while. Um, but I, I love the city and I love the region of Montreal and I love the church. I know the church is, uh, often gets a bad rap and sometimes actually for good reasons because the church has failed at times. The church has Uh, been succumbed to its own sins and failures, and it sometimes hurt people along the way. But I also believe in the church because it's God's people and God's desire to redeem a people. So we as a church, whether it's the 180 or West Side or churches around the city, can be God's living and local presence uh, where we are. So I really believe the church matters. You guys matter uh, for Laval and for the rest of the region. I appreciate this church a lot. I was, you know, tracking its journey with uh, Dom and Bev and uh, also my friend Dave Bonfa, who's not here today. He was here at the beginning and a bunch of other people. Uh, and then seeing this, seeing this community grow into what it's, it is and becoming is just amazing. And the thoughtfulness and um, spiritual formation and sense of mission that you guys have is just, is just wonderful. I love it. And I'm learning a lot uh, from that as well, so I appreciate that. My wife, Franca, couldn't be with me today. Uh, my son's out of town, and her and my daughter uh, helped out another friend at another church, and so they're, they're visiting um, with them today. So they couldn't be with us today. But I'm a little bit nearsighted. Have you ever heard that word before? A little mixture of nervousness and excitement mixed together. I heard that once from a teenager, and it caught me. So that mixture there, a couple of reasons. One is I saw some people here today that knew me when I was a kid, and I'm talking about honoring your father and mother, and I'm like, shoot, what kind of stories do they remember of me? Uh, secondly, Dom throws me into the middle of this series. We're in like the fifth commandment, so I'm like kind of smack in the middle. I have no idea how you guys started. I don't know how you're going to end. I might throw you guys off a cliff, and Dom will be mad at me for about six months uh, if that's the case. So who knows? Who knows if I shift this whole thing in the wrong direction? But I hear you guys have been working through the Ten Commandments uh, one by one, and uh, ten words to Israel, ten words to Israel, often known as a decalogue of principles 
to Israel as a nation. Now, you might be here, it might be the only Sunday you hear this summer, the only commandment uh, you hear taught. I hope you listen to more online or you stay tuned for the rest, uh, because if I'm not so great today, it can only get better for the rest of the series, right? Uh, so that, that's something to keep in mind. Or maybe, maybe you've only heard of the Ten Commandments from a movie your parents watched with Charlton Heston or something like that. Maybe that's your only reference point. But generally, it's, it's a rule of life for people who needed a new start. It's a rule of life for people who needed a new start. How many people these days, now kind of at the end or hopefully post-COVID, feel like they need a new start? Relationally, things have not always worked out so well. Our routines, our lifestyle, our vocation. I was chatting with JP at the beginning here, how work situations have changed so much. And there's a desperation in our culture for a, a new start, a sense of movement and purpose. And so if that's what you even feel in this season, I think this series is perfect for you because it really is a helpful framework for a life of freedom. But this was even more extreme for Israel, who was hearing these words for the first time. They were learning to live again. They came out of, out of slavery, out of the oppression of Egypt, um, for centuries, they, they, were, they were coming out of 40 years of the wilderness, and so they needed a new start. They needed to understand and kind of rework, how do, how do we live? How do we function outside of slavery and oppression? How do we function outside of the wilderness? And God is bringing them to this new place, this new land where he's promising them, and he's speaking these fresh words to them to give them a framework of life. Last week, I'm assuming you looked at the Sabbath and what it means to honor the Sabbath. And my summary of the Sabbath is really brief. It's God telling Israel, you don't have to live like this anymore. It's God telling Israel, you don't need to live like a slave anymore. You don't need to live enslaved anymore. These patterns that have been put on you over and over, year after year, they're inside your being and who you are. And God's telling them through the Sabbath, you don't need to live like that anymore. And in partly, that's what God is doing through all of the Ten Commandments. It's this call to flourish as a person, as a community, as a people like Israel. And so today we're looking at the Fifth Commandment, and uh, it's in Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn it there, or you can read it on the screen. And I know uh, Michael prayed, but I'd just like to just pray briefly, just to open up our hearts to how God wants to speak to us today. God, we just pause for this moment. We make space as we sang in that last song for your Holy Spirit to work. There's people coming here from different um, aspects of life, different journeys, different spiritual journeys as well, and different levels of, of maturity of faith. And God, we just make room for your voice to speak through, for your Holy Spirit um, to grab hold of our attention today. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's this fifth commandment. Exodus 20, 12 says, Honor your father and mother so that your days may be long in the land the Lord has given you. One verse, that's it. I'll read it one more time. Honor your father and mother so that your days may be long in the land the Lord is giving you. I was at a funeral uh, about a month ago in Toronto. My great aunt, almost 90, about 91 or 92 years old, she passed away. And she was like the last of the Mohican, the Mohicans, you know, like the last of the generation of my grandparents. So I felt 
I, I wanted to be there. I wanted to be present for my cousins. Uh, we have a, a small uh, family. And so I went, and I was sitting, just sitting in the funeral. I didn't say something. I wasn't out in front. I wasn't doing anything like that. I was just sitting there beside my sister, and I was listening to the stories of my cousins and uh, their perception of their grandmother and the way she poured into people's lives and her famous sponge cake and how, how it was all over the Toronto Christian community for funerals and weddings and and, uh, you know, baby showers and stuff like that. And, and I just started to hear these incredible stories from my aunt. In the last 12 years, she was in a, in a home, and uh, she was um, just deteriorating through Alzheimer's. And, and, and so she wasn't the person she was before. But here we were in this moment honoring her. And I was so grateful I took the ride to Toronto in the train back just for one day. It was like a one-day trip. I was so grateful to be in that room and listen to those stories and to be reminded that I am not this one isolated individual in our society, but I'm part of a community. And um, there's people that have gone before me and people that are going to come after me. And I went home just treasuring this idea that I need to tell these stories to my kids and to my friends and just to pass on what that looks like. And that, that just was so helpful, that image for me, as I was reading this text this week, honor your father and mother. Because this commandment is the first commandment in the series that deals with people, not God. The first four commandments is all about God. The last six commandments are more about people. Now, honoring your parents seems a little bit optional when you compare, like, do not murder, do not steal, right? Like, if you leave today and you kill somebody, it's going to be a very quick impact, like, legally and everything. If you go home today and don't honor your parents, I mean, like, in the scope of things, at least this week, maybe do not murder is, like, the first thing you should follow, right? But somehow, like, honoring your, your, your father and mother are part of this is it's essential, equally essential for freedom and for flourishing, for life and community and for society. Plato said these words. He said, in the scale of human decencies... Honor to parents is only second honor to God. Honoring your parents is only second to honor of God. Let me ask you this question. We're going to get really vulnerable here, like we're in a counseling session. What's your, how's your relationship with your parents? How is it? Not how's your relationship with your kids. How's your relationship with your parents? Anybody want to answer? Just joking. Not a time here. I won't even make you lift up your hand. But if you're, if you're struggling with your perception of your parents, memories, um, maybe ways that you wish they would have done certain things, maybe you just kind of squeeze your left fist a little bit because that's, you know, that's how you're struggling these days. If you've had an easier time, maybe just squeeze your right fist. And uh, it's just a way to think about that. Now, this command, is, it really focuses on something interesting. The word honor is the word heavy. And it's like we give weight to the people who've gone before us. Our parents carry weight in our lives. For good or bad, they carry weight in our lives. Now, before you call your kids or teenagers and uh, say, you've got to listen to this. This is really important for you. I want you to get this. The Ten Commandments were written to a community. They weren't just written to kids. 
They were written. Actually, it would have been the leaders of the community, the heads of the families, those who were responsible for family and extended families that would have heard these principles to them. And it would have been people who would have had older parents in their lives. So whether you have kids or not, this command is for you. What this command isn't is sometimes confused because we think honoring our parents immediately equals loving them, admiring them, uh, you know, uh, trusting them, and obeying them. Even the, even the Apostle Paul, right, he teases out of honoring your father and mother, and he, in Ephesians 6, he tells the church, he's speaking to children, he says, children, obey your parents, because you've heard it said to honor your father and mother. Well, he gives them an application of this principle, but he's not equating the principle. Obedience could be a really great application for kids who need to learn and grow and become mature. But when someone is an adult and now out of their home or now charting a life that God is calling them to, either on their own or with their spouse, obedience is not equal to honor. Most adults don't obey their parents. How many things do your, does my mother still tell me today that I'm like, well, mom, I mean, no, I don't think I'm going to do that, <laughs> Right? And so if honor meant obedience, I'd be in a bad, a bad spot. Some of us would struggle to obey our parents. Some of us should struggle to obey our parents. In fact, some of you should not obey your parents because some of the things they tell you is really not the way you should go. I have great parents. My dad uh, has been passed away now 18 years. I loved him dearly, still do. And my mom is, is still alive. It's awesome. And, and I found it easy to love them, easy to trust them, easy to admire them. And on good days, sometimes easy to obey them when I was a kid. But that's not true for all of us. Some of us struggle with that. Even some of you who are here today and you're followers of Jesus, and maybe your parents aren't followers of Jesus, and they're like, you know, why don't you just go on that vacation you want to? And you're like, well, I have a budget. Well, where does all your money go? And then they find out that you'd like donate to the church. You're like, why are you donating to the church? Apple stock is low. Why don't you put your money there and it'll grow and... And, oh, no, Mom, Dad, I mean, this is a real priority for me. If you had to obey your parents in that, what, what about parents who aren't Christians and they'll be like, why, like, why don't you just let your kid go to soccer practice on Sunday morning? I mean, well, and you're like, well, they have pr soccer practice other days of the week, and we really value this, and, and it's like, this is important for us. It's part of our, our thing. Maybe you want to be honest in doing your taxes, and your dad's like, come on, you know, you know how much money the government takes. Seriously, just, just skim a little bit. There are moments where we disobey our parents. Obedience is not honor. Honor is not obedience. Honor is more like a loyal commitment to the generation that has gone before us. Honor is more of a moral decision, not based on your parents' merit or the good things or bad things they did. It's not based on that. One author says this. I don't know who it was, so it's anonymous, but he said... Honor is the unsentimental moral nucleus of your relationship with your parents. And so honor is more like responsibility. And responsibility is a lost virtue in our society, in our culture. Think about this with Israel. God didn't want Israel to replicate life in Egypt. God wanted Israel to create a community that would be a light to the nations and a light to the world. And that kind of community, that light on a hill a uh, community is a community that cares for each other and takes responsibility for each other and looks out for each other, right? Jesus went further when he told his disciples, you should be a city on a hill. 
an admired community where everyone will want to live, where life will flourish. In the fourth century, there was, uh, Dom would love this because he loves history, but there was a, a church father named Basil the Great. And he was known for calling people to, to, to giving and donating and, and creating hospitals and care and orphanages. And he created such a movement in his area in Cappadocia, that part of the world, that it was actually known as a city, the Basileia. And people, over time, they wanted to actually live there versus in their city because something beautiful was happening there. Something good was happening there. People were caring for each other. There was a sense of responsibility for each other. So the kind of flourishing that we, you've been hearing about in this series will not be possible if, if those who can't contribute the way they used to contribute are treated as second class or unnecessary or a burden. You know, adult children have older adult parents, and that was the same case for Israel. And medicine wasn't the same as it is now, and so the sense of sickness or illness or having a handicap or something was not the same thing. It was, you know, extent. So their parents maybe couldn't plow the field or rake the gardens or pick up the crops. They were a part of their community that could no longer contribute to their, their economy, but they still needed to be recipients of it. At some points, older parents become recipients of the community and not contributors to it. And so responsibility is caring for people, caring for one another. Now, that is a little tough today because we live in a modern world where the Industrial Revolution means that now people go to work and cars and air travel mean that people have moved away and often our parents live in other parts of the city or the country or even the world. But the heart of this command is being responsible for our parents even when they stop benefiting from we stop benefiting from them directly. And it's so sad these days because in our culture today, it's becoming less and less popular to actually think about and care for other people. And we think, well, you know what, they're far away. There's a social net. There's a good residency. And trust me, don't leave today thinking, oh my gosh, i got to have my mother move in. Don't, that's not the point of this message. <laughs> that might be the worst thing you could do. I'm not telling you that. But... Out of a sense that's happening in our culture today, there's a problem. And one of the words that I came across even this last week or so in my reading is this word independency. This idea that I as an individual have this sovereign rule over my life and I'm no longer accountable to anybody or anything. And therefore, I lose responsibility for other people around me. And that kind of posture, increasingly looking out just for yourselves, never leads to a community that flourishes. And it never leads to freedom people that become less and less responsible for others. But in God's kingdom, it's not that way. In God's kingdom, it's not that way. It's not an independency. It's a collaboration where everyone is cared for, even when they can't care for themselves. And this is the beauty of how this overflows to, to our kids and the next generation, whether you're a parent or not. See, when adult parents honor their parents, who's watching in the distance? Their kids are. You don't have to tell them. You don't even have to say, honor me. When adult children are honoring their parents, their kids are watching in the distance. And those kids understand that mom and dad don't only think of themselves. That mom and dad are not just looking out for their own interests, but they're still loyal, not obedient, 
not even having to admire, but loyal to their parents. And it builds a community of responsibility that becomes the foundation for a life and a community that flourishes. And when you have that in multiple pockets, I mean, you could literally change the world. But at the very least, as Jesus says, you'll be a light on a hill. You'll be a community where the world looks at it and says, I, we need life like this. You know, my, my kids enjoy visiting their grandmother, both their grandmothers, both their grandfathers have passed away. And they enjoy that because they've seen my aunts and my, mom, my, my wife, uh, their uncle, often take responsibility for their mom. They hear, they hear me call my mom almost every day or every other day. She lives in Toronto, I live here, and uh, I'll call her and see how she's doing. They'll see my texts or hear me talking with my siblings on what my mom might need and how we might be able to help in that way. And it's, it's really helpful, it's important, and there's some ways where I failed in that, and my, my wife as well, but we're trying to be those kind of parents. And this is a really important question for us. If your kids treat you one day the way you treat your parents, how well off will you be? <laughs> That's good. Responsibility and respect is what honor looks like. And God's asking Israel to trust him in this principle. It's the one principle Paul says later in the New Testament that comes with a promise. It's the one principle in the the Ten Commandments that says, you know, do this, honor your father and your mother so that your days may be long in the land God has given you. It's like, let this be a staple value and trait of your community, of the life you build. This land was a gift from God to Israel. These long days are not necessarily that they're going to live so long and live forever that no one's going to die, but it's this idea that you're going to have a life that is a good life, a well, uh, kind of like a well-being life, freedom and flourishing. And not the kind of freedom where we take advantage of that freedom, but a sense of freedom where we look out for one another and we help each other flourish. Right at the beginning of the Ten Commandments, you know, it's written there that God's giving them these things because they're coming out of Egypt, they're coming out of this house of slavery into a new life. And so the idea here is that we are called to trust God that when we actually do this, it builds a better life. Not a life without sacrifice, not a life without inconvenience, but a better life. So how, how do you live this out with your parents? Like, what, what, what might this look like today? And I, and I know that as I asked this question, and as I, we did the little counseling thing at the beginning, some of you maybe are struggling with this, because some of you struggle to fulfill the desires of your parents. Not all their desires are desires you should fulfill. Sometimes your parents' desires will rub against your own convictions, and that's something you need to work out as an adult, and especially as a follower of Jesus. I love my mom. She is sincere. She's loving. She's caring. But sometimes her advice to me is not the thing that I should obey. That's just true. Her hopes, maybe even her fears, lead her to expect certain things of me. Because this is on the internet, she might watch it one day, so mom, you can call me, (laughs) and we'll chat about that. I can't obey her in this stage in my life and fulfill all her desires for me. And nor should I as an adult, but sometimes you feel that. Sometimes you have parents that actually have hurt you or wronged you, and you feel stuck. You feel stuck in that tension. When I sit with um, couples that are going to get married, we do this survey together, and one of the results is a family map. 
that shows the in, inflexibility and the flexibility of them and their parents and family and the closeness and, and distance that they might have. And it's amazing to see where they get charted on differently in terms of their experience. And when we talk about expectations, I often start talking about expectations when we do some premarital counseling, and I always think it's going to take five minutes when it takes like two sessions. Because whatever they've experienced, good or bad, is now being brought into the marriage, and they're expecting something either not to happen or to happen because it happened with their parents. It's so revealing. But some of us have actually been hurt or wronged by our parents. Some of us struggle to trust our parents. And the, that story of Britney Spears went viral, right? When she, everyone found out that her dad controlled her career and literally over the course of her career took $6 million from her. Do you think Britney Spears can trust her dad? If he's like, hey, I got a great business proposal for you, this next concert. She's like, no, dad, sorry. That, that, that part of our relationship is over. Some of us struggle to trust our parents. Now, I'm not going to assume that anybody who have you know, dads like Britney Spears, but here's a few ways we can honor our parents. Here's the one way, and we'll go through this briefly. Have you heard of the, the book, the, the Five Love Languages? And that's a book that kind of like helps you understand like how you can love your spouse or friend or partner and how, how you receive love either through gifts or attention or affirmation. Well, I like to think about it as honor language. Honor language. And to just stop and, and ask this question, regardless of the kind of relationship you have with your parents, is how are they wired to be honored? How are they wired to be? What honors them? Is it attention? Is it time? Is it recognition? Is it just listening to them? What honors them? My wife and I, we were in Toronto a couple of weeks ago, and we went to visit another aunt. She's still living. She's also 91 or 92 years old, and she's living in... Uh, an elderly home in Toronto, and um, we went into a room, and we were sitting there and chatting with her, and my wife noticed on the bulletin board this coloring page, and it was really colored and nice, like nice colors inside the lines and everything. So my wife asked my aunt, said, who did that? She's like, I did that. It's like, oh, really? She's like, yeah, we, we color in the common room, and they bring, and so all of a sudden, my aunt says, I've colored hundreds of those, thousands of those, and my wife is like, no way. She's like, yeah. And she's like, I have them in the closet. Do you want to see them? <laughs> so my aunt takes out this clipboard like this thick, and literally one by one, she's showing us these coloring pages. Most, it's all a variation of the same five pictures, right? And the same, and like we're looking at them and we're encouraging it. And, and actually, like, man, honestly, she really colors in the lines really well. <laughs> so it's, it's really, really good. So, and it's like, note to self when I get older, keep coloring and keep reading so my brain keeps working. But this was amazing. And then my aunt said, Do you, would you like one? And my wife's like, please, I, let me choose the, my favorite. And so my wife chooses her favorite from that, and she takes it. I swear, I don't know what we did that day. This was her honor language. Because she told my uncle how amazing our visit was. She told my mom, oh my gosh, Dave and Frank have spent 30 minutes with me. We took a coloring page and and recognized it. And just that was in the moment of her life, her honor language. That's all she needed to feel honored. What's your parents' honor language? Your, your, your parents also, in being honored, they have this need for legacy. Everyone feels this in, their, in themselves, I think. Parents long to know that they've made a difference in your life. 
Tim Keller says, it's somehow their need to see themselves in you. Somehow it's their need to see something that you're doing well that they hopefully nurtured, right? It's kind of like, you know, when, if your parents see you, they're hoping that, you know, maybe, you know, if you have a good work ethic, they're like, maybe that was me. <laughs> you know, if, if you're musical, maybe that was me. If you treat your neighbors kindly, oh, I hope that was my legacy, right? So when you're with your mom, maybe you might say, mom, thank you so much for the music lessons when I was six. I know I kicked and screamed, but I am so blessed with music in my life. Thank you so much. Dad, thank you so much for showing me what it means to not always buy what you wanted. That has helped me stay out of debt. Mom, you getting that degree later in life has taught me perseverance and has helped me get through school and has helped me work through that difficult relationship and has helped me get through that project at work Thank you for showing me perseverance. And what you're doing there is you're honoring your parents by by fulfilling their need for a legacy. Just to know that they did something, just something that contributed to you in a positive way. And then, well, I'm still waiting for my kids to tell me these things. They're 18 and 21, so we'll see. So have me back in 10 years, and you can ask me if if anything happens there. But I hope, I hope, I hope they do, but we'll see. But here's the last one, and it's honoring their need, and I just had to choose another L word, sorry, but it's a need for liberty. And really the heart of that is freedom and forgiveness. Your parents, our parents are human beings, and they have junk inside them like all of us do. And they have wounds, and they have things that they've done, and they have regrets. And honor often means meeting their need for liberty. In other words, let me tell you something. This is going to be a shocker for some people. You ready? Your parents aren't perfect. (laughs) Who's surprised? I know, I came all the way from the West Island just to tell you something so obvious that you already know. But they aren't perfect, right? And and here's another, like, discovery. You're not perfect either. I'm not perfect either. We joke that our kids will be in counseling because we messed them up along the way somewhere. And the truth is, is that most parents have messed up. All parents have messed up in something. Something or other. And, but here's, seriously though, they, they, long, the, they long for the best, for, they've longed for the best for us. Whether your parents are alive or not in this season, to think back and say they've, they've, they've likely wanted the best for us. And I can tell you from my own experience, I look back and there's like 10 things I wish I could change just in the category of like spending time with my kids. There's 10 things I wish I could change and just the way I reacted to my kids. There's 10 ways I wish I could have changed going back and like how, what I nurtured in them and, and what, I, what I gave them. Because I, I know that I failed my kids in many ways. Just, you know, find them on the internet and ask them and they'll tell you that how many times or ways that I failed them. I know that. And you know what? Your parents have failed you too. But your forgiveness is one of the ways to honor them. It's not ignoring what they've done. It's not trusting them in an area where you shouldn't trust them. It's not obeying them because they're your parents and they have this hope for you. See, here's, here's one of the problems, and this is what we're going to face, and this is totally away from a life of freedom that the Ten Commandments want to get us to. It's this. We either remain cold for the rest of our lives because they failed us, or we just stay cold because our parents failed us in some way. Or some of us, on the other extreme, remain under their control because we could never be separate from it. We always tie our relationship with doing what they want. 
But when you forgive them, something beautiful happens. Something breaks in that process. Something opens up in that process. You are no longer trapped from that wound. You are no longer trapped from the way your parents failed you, but also you are now untrapping them. That's how you honor them. If you're here today, it's likely because you either long for forgiveness or you've experienced the forgiveness of Jesus. And so you know that you've been untrapped from brokenness in your life. Don't our parents long for that too? And they recognize, likely, that they've wounded or failed. And by forgiving them, you're no longer trapped under their control because you're growing as an adult with your convictions. And then one day you can say, I'm free from that wound, and I'm free from that control, but they also feel free because they're forgiven. When someone's not forgiven, they live in prison, and they long to be forgiven of the mistakes they've made, of the ways that they failed you, but they still live with. And this really, as we come to the end here, this drives us to Jesus. Jesus is the source of forgiveness. Our embracing of Christ, his lordship, his salvation, his offer on the cross of forgiveness, through that we can forgive our parents. As we've been forgiven, we then can forgive them. And when Jesus becomes Lord of our lives, they're no longer Lord of our lives. Our parents as adults shouldn't be Lord of our lives. Only Jesus can. And we're just going to live in an unhealthy way if they're the Lord of our lives. But when we forgive, we forgive them. When Jesus becomes Lord of our lives, they no longer are. And here's the beautiful thing. In Christ, we are now free to honor them. In Christ, you're free to honor them. In Christ, you're free to love them. In Christ, you're free to offer a, some, some glimpse of an unconditional love that they long for that flows out of Jesus, that flows out of a life that Christ gives us. And when we're in Christ, we're free to responsibly or to take care of them responsibly, but in an appropriate way. Not taking on burdens that we shouldn't, not feeling guilty when we shouldn't, but in appropriate ways. Think about who they are in the next generation. I want to close to pray for you guys today, but I want to share just a brief thought. You know, I told you about my dad, and he passed away about 18 years ago, and there's some people in here who probably know him, but he, he was a great person. He, he loved God. He loved people. He loved his family. He worked hard. Um, he loved the church. One of his wonderful traits was his honesty. Um, his, his resilience. There's so many amazing things that I learned from my dad. There's so many things that I just take and cherish and welcome as his legacy for me. But there's one thing that doesn't, doesn't mess up the others at all, but it's this one thing. He loved, he, he worked so hard. I think he's the classic workaholic. When he was... Um, in the business world and serving in the church and both those worlds together was even more. And then as a pastor, he, he just never stopped. He was always working. Now, gratefully, thankfully, we hung out together. We spent time together. We did ministry together. We, we were in the church together. Thankfully, we were somehow together, and that was a good thing. But 
as I was growing up, as I was getting married, as I was thinking about my life, that was the, one of the things that was, was really kind of like kind of holding me was this, this workaholism, this sense that came out of seeing him and then through college and church ministry and other things. And I remember, literally, I'd like work through this in my life. And one of the hardest conversations I ever had was with my mom after I started to learn about Sabbath, which you learned about last week, after our church learned about Sabbath, after we started to say, what does rhythm and rest look like for our church and for me personally? I remember telling my mom, you know, mom, dad was such a good worker, but do you think it's possible that in the scope of sin, workaholism could be a sin? Like maybe there was, not that he did anything bad intentionally towards us. And it was like, can I have this conversation with my mom? (laughs) It was tough. But it's to recognize it because I wanted to grow out of that. And as much as I'm not sitting here saying, oh, my dad, he wounded me. He didn't. He loved me so much. But even that one piece, I had to, I had to discern and say, how do I honor him and my mom without taking this? And my mom gave me worry. My dad gave me workaholism. And both of them I had to kind of put aside to grow as an individual. So I want to pray for you today as we, as we wrap up. Maybe some of you are struggling to honor your parents. Maybe some of you are struggling to honor their memory. And I just want to make space. Just for a moment, we're going to pray. Just make space for the Holy Spirit to do some work in us where we can consider how we can honor them. Maybe that last piece is the biggest one. Maybe areas where we need to forgive them and see them in God's light, see them as God's creation it's God's image bearers who also long for forgiveness and freedom. And maybe some of us, as we're praying, you're going to be thinking about how to pass this on to the next generation. If you have kids, or even in this community, whether you have kids or not, they're all part of us. Let's just take a moment. I just ask you to just to close your eyes for a moment. I'm not going to ask you to stand or move or lift up your hand. I don't want to make anyone feel uncomfortable for a sensitive situation like this, but... Just take, this, just take a moment and invite God's Holy Spirit to maybe do some surgery in you so you can come to this point of even a step towards honoring. Maybe you need to name a wound or a memory, an action. give that to the Lord. Maybe you need to say just like as if they're right in front of you, I forgive you. I forgive you for failing me in this way. But I want to honor you. Even if it's their memory. God longs for us to be free and to grow in a life that flourishes individually but also communally. So we want to make this step because we want to trust that it is God's best for us. We might not see it right now. We might struggle with the tension, but it's God's best for us. It's a step towards a life and a community and even a society if, if we're given 
the freedom towards that of flourishing. Our Heavenly Father, I just want to bring everyone here before you. You know all the thoughts and memories that are going through our minds right now. I just pray for the courage and the faith to believe that because of your incredible, infinite, merciful forgiveness of us, that we can turn around and forgive those who have gone before us. God, these wounds can be real. And so I just pray for some right now who are, who are dealing with that in small or large ways. And God, I pray for parents in this room that long to build a culture in their homes that you would give them the courage and confidence to go first and grow into the kind of people that nurture honor, that exemplify that. God, I pray for this church and this community, God, may it be a community that grows in responsibility with one another. And may we gladly sacrifice for each other in the world around us. God, we ask you to lead us to become the kind of people who love you and love our neighbor and love one another. That we would fulfill these commands in this way. And thank you for your grace and your mercy over us. Thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for having me today. Amen. Can we thank, uh, thank Dave for that message? Dave, just uh, thankful for your wisdom, but just also, you know, it's really special to hear from somebody who's just allowed God to work in their own lives just to pass on that to us as well. So thanks for just making that ancient uh, commandment really come alive as we think of the challenge of that, as we think about painful relationships, but also that invitation to what flourishing means in our families and, and in society. So thank you. Uh, before you go, you know, don't rush off. I wanted to just mention, you know, if there's kind of a relationship maybe on your mind, on your heart, or you just have something else that you want to pray for. We have uh, some great leaders who, in a prayer space just in the corner there, who would love to just take the time uh, to pray with you. Um, other than that, we'll see some of you at the, the picnic in a bit. You can call your parents on the way if you're able to. Uh, but, it, you know, if you are planning on joining us, just a reminder, we mentioned it earlier, but there are some instructions in the lobby for the place that we're going to meet. So uh, that's it. So thanks, thanks, everyone, and have a really great week. We'll see you next Sunday.